Welcome to the Happy Valley Baptist Church Sermons Podcast. We are so glad that you have decided to listen to the message that God has brought through Brother John this week. This sermon was recorded on Sunday, November 13th, 2022, and released on Sunday, December 11th, 2022. This is a special message brought by Brother John Hines, and the scripture reference is Hebrews chapter 6, verses 17 through 20. My prayer is that this message is a blessing to you. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the sermon. We're so glad and proud to have John and Marcia Hines as our new directors in the Pecos Valley. If you want to tell more about your stuff, you come right ahead, but you go ahead. Let me give you a little bit. Some, a lot of you may. Some of you, uh, I've, I've fought fires with some of you in this room uh, out here at Happy Valley. And uh, I was in uh, Carlsbad for just two weeks shy of 11 years. These last 13 years, I've been in Tucumcari, New Mexico. I uh, pastored First Baptist Church there. I was the police chaplain with the Tucumcari police and with the sheriff's office there. And lots of times with the state police as well. But uh, and then I was the fire chief for uh, District One there in Quake in Quake County, and uh, and so I uh, uh, I carry a I had a pager on my hip and radio in my truck and all of those kinds of things and I don't have that right now and it's been pretty nice not to uh, be uh, tied up like that but we my wife and I have we've moved to Artesia where our office is for the Pecos Valley Baptist Association we invite you to come by any any day during the week if you come by on Saturday you'll just get our janitor you won't get very many there but uh, Monday through Friday but give us a call as well and uh, we would love to uh, share with you. I, I was looking at your, your announcements about your missionaries, and uh, I'm also, for the state of New Mexico, I am the uh, trustee for the Baptists uh, of New Mexico for the IMB Mission Board, International Mission Board. Uh, I get to, I've had the privilege of doing that the last three years, and I have uh, the last three and a half, and I have a three and a half more to go, uh, Lord willing, and uh, we get to, uh, I've been able to uh, see missionaries. In fact, tonight, if you are at home, if you're not in church, if you don't have a church service in the evening, at five o'clock tonight on uh, the imb.org uh, website, you can see a commissioning service for, I believe, 26 missionaries will be commissioned tonight. It's going to be held in, in the, at the Georgia Baptist Convention uh, there in somewhere in Georgia. And so it'll be aired at 5 p.m. our time. And if you would love to see uh, missionaries commissioned to go around the world, uh, I would invite you. You you don't have to watch it at 5 o'clock. Uh, they will keep showing it. You can get online and see some of the past ones there. Uh, but uh, 26, that's a, that's a good number uh, that we, uh, every month I get to meet with online uh, and get to meet missionaries uh, for the going around the world and being able to uh, pray with them and laugh with them and cry with them and be able to get newsletters from the, around the world. And so if you uh, uh, ever need anything to know your Lottie Moon Christmas offering, every bit of the Lottie Moon goes to the field. There is nothing used for administration. It goes directly to the missionaries on field. I can uh, vouch for that. I know there through the years there's rumors that, oh, they use that uh, that big goal of 
of, uh, of for Lottie Moon for administration. We do not do that. And in fact, this year was the largest giving ever to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. And it was, Southern Baptist gave over $203 million uh, for, uh, for Lottie Moon. That was the largest amount ever given out of the 176 years that Southern Baptists have been sending missionaries around the world. So I would encourage you, uh, if you uh, if you need some uh, help with Lottie Moon, holler at us, and we can do we can help you do what. And I know our state convention does a good job as well. There, I want to speak to you today about uh, as we look at our country, and and I I don't know how many people in this room are satisfied with a lot of the direction our country uh, is in going at this point in time. When you have lost people leading, uh, you have lost people leading people, and of course they're going to lead uh, people right down the wrong road. And so we continue to pray for folks to that, get, that know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. But I want to encourage you today, as you have honored the veterans of, of our, our country, I want to talk to you today about the anchor holds in spite of the storm. I know we have a storm uh, that is rising. I know that uh, I, I am tired of politics. I, I was so glad that the 2022 elections are almost finally over, but they're already on the 2024 elections. And so they won't even give you a break there. But I want to tell you a story about many years ago, there was a captain of an English ship who was sailing near the the country of Turkey, and they were caught in a storm, and there was no harbor nearby to let down the anchor, and so when the wind began to blow, and it was blowing so fiercely at the time that the captain noticed that the ship was drifting towards the shoreline. The anchor couldn't get a grip on the sandy seabed, and so the ship really began to drift. Another anchor was let down from this very ship, but it refused to take hold and hold the ship where it needed to be. And so it continued to drift nearer and nearer and closer and closer to the shore. And soon the ship would be stranded. There was only one little anchor left on the ship, and the captain felt sure that it wouldn't be of any use whatsoever, but he ordered it to be thrown over the side. And however, as it was let down, to his surprise and to the ship's uh, surprise, the chain tightened and it began to hold. The ship was held fast by the help of this little bitty anchor and it rode out the storm and they did not crash on the shoreline. And when the time came to lift the anchors after the storm, the big ones, the two big ones came up very easily because they had not caught on anything on the seabed. But the little anchor refused to come up. They pulled ever so hard, and it began to give way a little bit, and it began to come off of the, the, the bottom of the ocean there. And when they got it up to the top, something else came up with it. It was another anchor that it was hooked to. In fact, the little anchor had caught in the very ring of a very large anchor of a battleship that had been lost in that area years and years before. And I would say that every type of boat... Every type of ship, every type of person needs an anchor. We need an anchor. Knowing the kind of crazy world that we live in, that we would need an anchor 
for our souls. And I want you to turn with me to Hebrews chapter 6 this morning. In Hebrews chapter 6, we're going to begin reading with verse 17 and read through verse 20 there. I'm reading now the Christian Standard Bible, so whatever version you have, just try to follow along this morning. When we read from God's Word, it's always an encouragement. It's a lot of times it, it chastises, it chases us, and but it, the Bible tells us that God loves those who uh, are His children there. And so as we begin reading today, I, in verse number 17, it says, For it has been testified well i'm i'm in chapter seven let me go to chapter six how's that that won't that way you won't be lost and i won't be because god wanted to show his unchangeable purpose even more clearly to the heirs of the promise he guaranteed it with an oath so that through two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for god to lie we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to seize the hope set before us. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain, and Jesus has entered there on our behalf as a forerunner because he has become a, a high priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. God has given us many wonderful word pictures in his word. In fact, uh, to help us understand spiritual truths, and today we're going to focus in on the symbolism of an anchor. In fact, nowhere, uh, uh, now whether or not you've ever sailed on a ship, I was a little uh, uh, jealous that there's a couple from this, the, from this church that's on a ship right now, that's on a cruise. Uh, my wife and I, we went in May, we went on a cruise to the Bahamas. And uh, you might remember uh, back in the end of May, there was uh, a... Uh, Carnival cruise ship that caught on fire in the Bahamas. Well, we were not on the ship when it caught on fire. We was on the ship just the 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 trip before it caught on fire. So, uh, being a firefighter, my wife said you would have probably been up there trying to fight the fire. Well, yeah, I would have. I'd have loved to try to do that. But we love we we've been on two cruises and uh, enjoy those a whole lot there. But whether you've been on a boat, whether you've ever sailed on a ship, there. Uh, Every boat needs an anchor. You have an idea, whether you've been on a ship or not, what an anchor is and what an anchor is supposed to do and what it does. I love watching those patriotic times, Fourth uh, of July and Veterans Day and all of those kinds of shows. And when they have fireworks and when they have things set up in New York Harbor or Washington, D.C., there at the mall, around the 4th of July, where there's actors and actresses and singers and choirs, they come together to tell a patriotic story and sing patriotic songs, just as we did today. One of my favorites is one when someone sings different songs of the branches of the military. I love that portion of the show, that every song that every branch has there, and when it comes to singing the naval song, you may think of the words, anchors away. In fact, I want us to drop the anchors here for just a moment. The original words are anchors away, but it's spelled different than A-W-A-Y. It is spelled A-W-E-I-G-H there. Anchors away and anchors away sound exactly the same but they mean just the opposite. 
In fact, when the captain commands the anchors to be raised and the sailors report, anchors away, A-W-E-I-G-H. What that means there is not that, that uh, anchors are clear of the bottom of the ship and they can get underway. That's what it means. In fact, so the song doesn't mean let's stop the ship. It means let's get going. And so when we hear the words anchors away there, when we think about this biblical anchor that the Hebrew writer wants us to, to think about today, I want to say anchors away. And not A-W-A-Y, but A-W-E-I-G-H. In other words, let's get going. Let's get going as people of God. And so the first point I want to share this morning is hope in Jesus is an anchor for our souls. Hope in Jesus Christ is an anchor for your soul. The scripture says we have this hope in verse 19 as an anchor for the soul. An anchor is one of those words that, that have been transliterated from the Greek language. What that means, transliterated means, is that the word anchor is the same in the Greek as it is in English. So we have this transliterated word anchor there. We have archaeological evidence that anchors were used as early as 4,000 years ago by the Phoenician seafarers. In fact, early anchors were nothing more than a large stone that had a hole drilled through it with a rope or chain through it there. By the time the Romans came on scene, they had perfected the shape of anchors. In fact, they, which we still use to this day. It is a vertical shank with a curved arms at the bottom, and those are called flukes. Now, I, I just don't want you to think that I know everything about anchors. I had to do some studying, okay? Uh, I know what an anchor looks like there, but, but this, this design of the anchor is no fluke. You'll get that in just a moment, but uh, because it was designed to do something. It was designed to dig into the sand on the bottom of, of, of a lake or or an ocean, or a sea, and it was also there so that it could grab onto solid rock. In order to fully appreciate the power of this word, anchor, we need to get the symbolism straight this morning. In fact, Jesus isn't the anchor. Hope is the anchor. But the anchor is, is only as effective as the rock it grabs onto. Jesus is the solid rock, that the anchor of hope digs into. In 1943, there was a lady named Ruth K. Jones. She was a pastor's wife in Pennsylvania. She was also a mother of five. She became distressed as she read the daily headlines of the casualties of our allied troops during World War II. In fact, it was a time when Americans faced the challenge of rationing. Any of you were you any of you living at that time? Some of you would be really old, and I don't mean to say that you're old, but you are uh, there. Uh, but in the rationing, we don't even know what that is, do we? We griped after, during COVID because we couldn't get the things that we normally get and there. But in the midst of, of her struggle, God led her to this passage in Hebrews chapter 6. She dotted, she jotted down the words of a song that came to her heart as she pulled out just a little pad of paper from her apron and she began to write down on it and she later added a tune based on the Westminster chimes playing on her mantle clock there and this became one of the most loved gospel songs of the 40s and the 50s and we need these words I believe as encouragement today as well 
And this is what she wrote. In times like these, we need a savior. In times like these, you need an anchor. Be very sure. Be very sure. Your anchor holds and grips the solid rock. And you know this rock is Jesus. Yes, he's the one. This rock is Jesus. He's the only one. Be very sure. Be very sure. Your anchor holds and grips the solid rock. So let's talk just a little bit this morning about hope. Do you know what hope means? To the world, when they use the, the term or the word hope, it means wishful thinking. I hope I win the lottery. I can't, I can't win the lottery because I don't buy tickets for the lottery uh, at all there. If you buy tickets, that's, that's between you and God. That's okay. I'm not condemning you at all there. Somebody asked me, several people have asked me through the years, well, preacher, if, if somebody won the lottery and they tithe off of it, would you accept the tithe? I said, it's their tithe. It's not mine. Sure, we'd accept it. And so, you know what, 10% of 1 billion, you just figure that out. And I'd be a dummy not to take that, right? Well, uh, but God owns all the money anyway. And so, as, uh, as we think about hope today, I hope I filled out the employment paperwork just right. Or, But in the Bible, the word hope means so much more than that. In fact, it's one of God's big three. In fact, there is faith, hope, and love. Those are the big three in the Word of God. In the Bible, hope literally means confidence. It means trust. It means expectation. Adrian Rogers, who was the pastor of Bellevue in, in Tennessee for many, many years, uh, he used to say, in the Bible, hope is rock-ribbed assurance based on the Word of God and also the character of God. That's what you can have hope in. I've used it in acrostic. I didn't come up with this, but somewhere through the years, I've picked up on it and have used it in every church that I've ever pastored. That And that is, let me give it to you today. Hope means having only positive expectations. Hope, having only positive expectations. Now, that is opposite of the world's view. In other words, some people are so negative, they're always expecting the worst to happen. You know anybody like that in your family? Oh, man, they're the doomsdayers and all of those places there. And they say something like this. Now, preacher, don't you get your hopes up. Or the, the, that way you won't be disappointed there. How many of you known people like that? Don't look at anybody around here, okay, uh, at all. So, but, uh, so to complete the picture this morning, you, you misunderstand the four parts of the symbolism. First, hope is the anchor. Second, it is attached to Jesus, the solid rock. And then third, my soul, your soul, is the ship. And finally, the anchor chain is the word of God. Because David says in Psalm 119, in verse 114, You are my refuge and my shield. I put my hope in your word. Say that with me. I put my hope in your word. Let me say it again. I put my hope in your word. I hope that you do that every day. When I was growing up, uh, we would get a catalog in the mail from... Sears Roebuck. How many of you ever had those catalogs? All righty. That catalog would get passed throughout the family. 
And we as kids, we would look through the things that we wanted and we would dog ear that page or, or we would circle it or whatever there. And uh, things that we wished for that we wanted for Christmas there. And it was a wish book because most of what we marked, we never got. Amen. In fact, the Bible is not a wish book. The Bible is a hope book. In fact, our total personhood is comprised of three parts. There's three parts of you there. First of all, it's your body. Uh, that's what you see. It, then there's your soul. And then there's the spirit. This isn't an anchor for the body well, that we're talking about. Or even an anchor for your spirit. It is an anchor for our souls. There, Your soul is made up of your mind, your emotions, and your will. It's what you think. It's, uh, it's what you feel. It is even what you want in life there. And when we think the wrong way, the Word of God begins to pull us back to hope there. When our mind misleads us, the chain that's hooked to the... It, it all of a sudden grabs and just janks, jerks us back to where we need to be in life. And when our feelings and our wants are wrong... What happens? Twang, man, that chain hits at, right at the very end, and we're drawn back to hope. And so I want to illustrate it for you. And I want to call what I'm fixing to give you stinking thinking, okay? This is stinking thinking in our world. Nobody loves me. Oh, don't you feel sorry for me? Nobody loves John Hines. Nobody loves me at all, not even my wife most of the time at all there. And that's stinking thinking in this world. Everybody's against me. Or I'm not worth anything. I can't tell you how many times I've had somebody in my office say those last words. I am not worth anything. The anchor jerks us back to life. Back to the truth of the word. You are a blood-bought child of God. In fact, an heir of God. You are a joint heir with Christ, the Bible tells us there. And here's another example of wrong feelings. I'm so afraid. I don't think I'm going to be able to survive this scary experience. And maybe you're going through a very scary experience. Uh, in, in Sunday school this morning, we heard of folks going through cancer and, and another individual having problems with their, with their brain. But the chain of truth pulls us back to the truth. When, when I'm afraid, the Bible tells us in the book of Psalms, I will trust in you. That was my theme verse during COVID days. I had it placed up on my computer screen. And every day I, I read that scripture. When I am afraid, I will trust in you. And I want this to happen. Please, God, this is what I want. But the chain begins to grab us. Not my will but yours be done, God. In fact, let me show you some other things that this anchor of hope does for us. The second thing is the anchor keeps us from drifting in the storms of life. There are two times when the ship uses an anchor. First, in the calm waters of a harbor. When they get into the harbor, they, they lower uh, their, the anchor there into the bay and the ship lowers it there to remain in place so it won't drift left or right or forwards or reverse and it'll stay exactly where it's at the second time that a ship will deploy an anchor is sometimes in a storm the ship will drop the anchor to keep 
uh, the ship from being dashed onto the rocks or onto the shoreline. And there's a real account of that in the book of Acts chapter 27. Paul was a prisoner on board of a ship there in the Mediterranean bound for Rome when the, encountered, the ship encountered a typhoon. The ship was being driven toward dangerous rocks and the captain threw out four anchors, the scripture tells us in, that, in Acts chapter 27, from the stern of the ship. In the same way, when you and I go through the storms of life, we need to depend upon the anchor of hope to keep us from drifting into dangerous rocks and fear and despair. You see, Jesus is our hope during times of stress. I don't know about you, but stress is not my friend. And I, I, I know that stress is, uh, I was one of those kind of guys that when I got stressed out, I wanted to eat. Some of you remember when I was a big guy but here living in Carlsbad. I, when I went in for gastric bypass surgery uh, 17 years ago on March the 27th, the day after Easter, I, I still have a picture of me, my size uh, 58 inch waist. At that point in time, I weighed 394 uh, there. And uh, now uh, I get blown by the wind and and all of that, and, and uh, but I still have to watch what I eat. I still have to, uh, still need to exercise, still need to do all of those things there. But I will tell you, stress was my enemy. I just, it, and I, I know none of you are under any kind of stress whatsoever today. Americans, I believe, are under a great deal of stress. You, uh, stress is like a rubber band. A rubber band that isn't stretched is of little use to you, isn't it? It's just, it won't hold anything, but all it has to do is get stretched just a little bit and get wrapped around whatever you want it to hold there. And I believe we all need a little stress in our lives. I think it keeps that, that, that band there. I think it keeps us there so that we don't trust in ourselves, but we trust in Jesus Christ there. But the problem with many of us is we allow stress to build up until that rubber band snaps. And then we're in trouble there. The problem is that we try to face every challenge in our own strength. I had a, I had a uh, psychologist tell me about a year ago, he said, John, you are under a lot of stress. And I said, I didn't need to come and pay this ungodly amount of money to you for you to tell me that. I knew that. That's why I'm here there. But he made me do a test. He made me take a test. And I took a test, and, and, he, and he brought, he didn't just leave Marsha out there because she's a very vital part. So they called both of us back there, and, and he looked at my wife, and he said, I want you to know your husband is very, he's, he's discouraged. He's, he's stressed out there. And my wife, after on the way home, she said, I could have told him that too. Uh, at that point in time there. But you know, sometimes we get tired, we get weary, and we often fail under the stress and the demand of life. And we begin to run out of strength there. And a lot of times it starts with our body there, but then God offers us strength for our stress. In Isaiah chapter 40, it's a great uh, three verses, 28 through 31, it says, Do you not know? Have you not heard? that the Lord is the everlasting God. He's the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary. 
and his understanding no one can fathom. In fact, he gives strength to the weary and he increases the power of the weak. Even youth grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles and they will run and they will not grow weary and they will walk and not be faint. So God offers us and promises us that when we hope in the Lord, we will receive strength and to soar like an eagle, strength to run to and to run with and not grow weary and to walk and not be afraid. But just remember, you and I can choose between the rubber band of our own strength or depend on the unbreakable chain of the Word of God. Those are the two things that you... And to be honest, most of the time we try to do everything in our own strength and we're just like a rubber band. We can only get so much and then we snap there. And also Jesus is our hope in the times of sorrow. Just as there's there's storms of stress, there's also storms of sorrow. We lose someone precious in our lives. Our hearts are broken. During COVID, I, I... we continued to do funeral services because people were dying. And I, I can remember getting a phone call from uh, our funeral home, Dunn's funeral home there in Tucumcari. And, and Charles Dunn called me and he said, John, he said, I, can I, can, could we use you for a funeral, a graveside service for a lady that's died that doesn't have any family here in Tucumcari? And so I said, sure. I only lived about a quarter of a mile from the cemetery, and I always told folks that uh, that if I uh, uh, dead in, those that are dead in Christ will rise first, the Scripture says, and then those that remain will be caught up. Since I was so close to the to the grave, to the cemetery, that I would be next. So I'd beat most everybody else to heaven there. So uh, after those that are dead in Christ, so if you want to beat me, you better live close to a cemetery. All right. And uh, there, but I'll tell you that hearts are broken. During that that day, there was Charles Dunn, who was the the uh, funeral home director. There was myself. There was the two guys that had opened the grave and were getting ready to close the grave when we were finished, and one neighbor of that lady. There was five of us at that graveside service. And I just preached like there was 500 there talking about the hope we have in Jesus Christ. Paul wrote to the believers who's facing grief, and some of you may be. For loved ones who've died, he wrote in 1 Thessalonians 4.13, We do not want you to be uninformed or misunderstand about those who sleep in death. So you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. As a pastor, I can testify to the glaring difference between grief over the death of a believer and in the grief over the death of one that is lost, that was lost when they died. I stood with families that wept saying farewell to the loved one who's in heaven. Their tears are infused with hope because they say one day I'm going to join them again. They have a hope that rests not on their hope, but the hope in Jesus Christ. There is also gut-wrenching grief of those who aren't sure of the salvation of their loved ones. I have a, a dear friend of mine in Tumcary who's a deacon. It's, it's the church, first church that I'd ever 
pastored in all those 40 years that I really got close to my deacon body in a, such a, an, uh, it was just a very rewarding time. And, and this particular man was, had been the chairman of the deacons lots of times. He was also the chair of the search committee that called me to be their pastor 13 years ago. And uh, right after we moved from Tucumcari, his dad died. And I will just tell you that Steve tried to talk to his dad many, many times about the Lord in a relationship with the Lord. And he never, John didn't want anything. He would stop it right there. He'd just say, I don't want to talk about it. The day that John died, it was on a Friday, just two weeks ago. And Steve went up there to check on him. It was about 7.30 in the morning. And uh, his dad had had cancer, had lung cancer, and uh, he took the oxygen off and he went to the restroom, and when he came back, he walked by himself. They didn't have to help him, and he was in a great mood there, and, and Steve was watching his O2 stats, and they were going from 92 down to about 72, and he said, Dad, you need to put the oxygen back on, and John said, I don't want that. He said, I had a dream, and I saw Jesus, and Jesus said that, that, uh, that and he, he called his wife by name, and he said, she's waiting for you. And Steve did his dad's funeral just this past week. And he was able to stand before the congregation. And he said, you know what? He said, I know that my dad was saved. But you know, you need to live like you're saved. You need to act like you're saved. And you need to share like you're saved as well. The song that I mentioned a little earlier, The Anchor Holds in Spite of the Storm, I know the guy that sang that song has walked away from Christian music and denied that he was that he's a follower of Christ there, but that the, the song still means a lot to me. And I thought about people that I've buried through the years. In fact, people whose lives lived out words that the song The Anchor Holds in Spite of the Storm. I think about a foster family, the foster family in, in Portales where I pastored there. I buried grandparents, Kate and Albert Moore, along with the wife's husband, all within six months, six months. I wrote down in the record book that, that I keep that the family was taking it very hard. And I remember when one man's funeral I did, when he was 82 years old, he committed suicide. As I wrote in my journal, the son-in-law and, and the daughter divorced less than six months after the, the man took his own life. Eight days later, I buried a 21-year-old who had committed suicide. And I remember going to the home of this young man. And I remember the dad taking me back to his son's room where his son had just pulled the trigger on a gun and killed himself. And they had taken the, all of the, the bloody sheets and all that out of there. And I remember the dad wanting to know because they knew that I had talked to their son just the night before, before he left Portales and was heading to Clovis back home. And his dad wanted to know if his son said anything about him, about his dad and his relationship before he died. And I remember the heartache of the family. But I also remember that I was able to tell the dad, you know, dad, I know you and Rodney had a lot of problems. 
struggled back and forth. But I want you to know, he told me just last night how much he loved you. Loved you. But I, when I think about funerals, there's so many, so many that I've done. But I can hear the words of the song, the anchor holds in spite of the storm. You know, when you, a preacher looks at his watch, it doesn't mean anything. You know that, right? Okay. And then, all right. And this anchor has gone before us into heaven, and I'm going to close this morning. In the last part of verse 20, the picture of Jesus changes from the solid rock into the forerunner. The word in Greek is prodromo. Prodromo. In a foot race, a prodromo was a person running ahead to get to a destination, to clear the way for the other runners, and also to make the way that to make sure that the way was safe for the other runners. In nautical terms, since we've been talking about ships, a forerunner had a very powerful job as well. There was this, there was an ancient selling practice called kedging, K-E-D-G-I-N-G. Sometimes a ship could enter a harbor because of a, they couldn't enter it because it was such a narrow pass to get into the harbor there. Or there were turbulent seas going on there. And a special anchor called a kedge, K-E-D-G-E, anchor, would be lowered into a rowboat. You didn't just drop it because it'd go right through the rowboat, but they would lower it slowly, this anchor, this kedge, and the rowboat was called a prodromo, a forerunner. Sailors would row the kedge anchor into the harbor in that little bitty boat with a line attached to the ship. And when they arrived safely in the harbor, they would drop the anchor and the sailors in the ship would operate a winch. And you've seen them on these movies, on those pirate movies, where they'd be run, walking around and got a peg out about this long and they're just pushing and going around and they're pulling because that anchor is now in the harbor and now pulling that ship into where the anchor is going to hold there. And the sailors would winch until they got there, pulled into safety. When these words were written, there still was this magnificent Jewish temple standing in Jerusalem. Every Jew was familiar with the layout of the temple. There was a small area in the temple called the Holy of Holies. In fact, it was called this because that is where the Bible tells us the Shekinah glory of God dwelt. And only one man could enter the, into that presence once a year, and it was on the Day of Atonement. In fact, the Jewish high priest would enter there. He would sprinkle the blood of a sacrificial lamb to symbolize the forgiveness of the sins. That special place was separated, as you know, from the rest of the world by a very thick curtain. It was 60 feet tall. It was 20 feet wide. And they say it was as thick as the hand the, of a man's hand there. So according to this text that we read this morning, our anchor has gone behind the veil right into the very presence of God. In fact, that's exactly the picture that's, that's pictured in verses 19 and 20. It enters into the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. Jesus has entered there on our behalf as a forerunner, as a kedge. And so when Jesus came to replace the temple, in Jerusalem, in John chapter 2, we read that Jesus stood beside it and said, Destroy this temple, and I will raise it up again in three days. In fact, the Jews said the temple took 46 years to build, and you're going to raise it in three 
days. And Jesus, this is what I think he said to him. I sure am. I sure am. But the temple that he was speaking about was his body. The moment Jesus died, that curtain ripped in two. And it, as you know, Scripture says it ripped from top to bottom. So not a man, a man didn't do it, but the very God himself took that and ripped it. The, the Holy Spirit. And the moment Jesus died, that curtain ripped in two. And the word in the text is shizo, which, from which we get our word scissors from. And we're told the current was ripped, as I said, from top to bottom, and only a heavenly hand from above could rip it from top to bottom. You know, I think that's very, that's very symbolic and very thrilling to begin to see that, that no longer does anyone have to approach God on our behalf. You can go into the very throne room of God and you can talk to God in His presence. The curtain was torn, so only... The only mediator that was needed to approach God, the Lord Jesus Christ, no longer did there, was there a high priest that had to do it that had a rope tied around his ankle so that if he walked into there and he was not clean, he would die on the spot and, the only, and nobody else could go in. And so the only way they could get him out of there is to drag him out by, with, by that rope there. See, Jesus isn't a human priest after the order of Aaron. He is the eternal priest after the order of Melchizedek, the scripture says. There's a final symbolism. Just as the kedge anchor was carried in, into the final destination of the harbor, Jesus carried our hope into our final destination, which should be heaven for all of us. The anchor is out of sight. We don't see it, do we? Hope can't be seen. But I can tell you, from a preacher's standpoint, from a believer's standpoint, from a, a child of God, hope is our anchor. The unbreakable Word of God links my soul to the solid rock of Jesus Christ. In fact, I don't want you to let your mind or your emotions mislead you any, any longer. If you... Listen to your, yourself. And I know some of you talk to yourself all the time. I talk to myself. We have six chickens, Marcia and I do. Well, they're really mine, but Marcia's fallen in love with them. She won't say that, but I know she does love them. And they're all named. We have, we have the Golden Girls uh, there from the, the show, The Golden Girls. And, and we have Sophia. But we also have Mavis. Mavis was was named by our little five-year-old granddaughter at the time. And Mavis seems just really, well, she, she's the boss. She really is. And boy, she's fluffy. And since we moved them, uh, we've had them in a little bitty old coop, not much bigger than from, from that seat to about right here. And they've been kind of stressed out. And my wife, had, because I know she loves them, because she's worried about them losing weight. You know, and so I said, I don't see where they're losing any weight at all. But but she thinks that they've been losing weight there. And I will tell you that so many times if we listen to ourselves and I get out there and I start talking to those chickens. You didn't know that I could do chicken talk, did you? Well, what I do is go out there and you know what those chickens start doing first? They talk. 
and they go and I boy I just start back and we just have this conversation and yesterday we'd built a big fence for them so that we could get them out of their chicken coop and I had my nephew over there to help us and Chris is a big guy I mean he's tall he's big and this chicken coop is not about this wide and it took five of us to move it to get it onto the the moving truck and Chris and I and Marsha three of us moved it yesterday to put it in the fence area where the chickens could run and when Chris reached down there to pick up that chicken coop guess what there was a chicken inside we knew one was in there and we knew she was trying to lay an egg and all of a sudden bark, 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 bark. and we went, went about 40 yards and set it down and put it inside the fence and I went around the back and I lifted the lid and the chicken was already out of her little spot there and she had laid an egg while we were carrying it along uh, to get it to the right place there. But I want you to know, even though you might talk to the chickens or you might talk to yourself there, don't let your mind, don't let your emotions mislead you. Because if you go by your feelings, they will always lead you astray. When you think that you're feeling, when you start feeling sorry for yourself, oh, that's when you're really in trouble there. Remember, you're a child of God. You, you're one of his. They'll, they're going to mess you up, your feelings. And hang on to the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. There was a little boy who was flying a kite one day in the park. It was a cloudy day, and this old man came walking by, and and he saw that the, the kid was holding a kite string and the string was going up. But he said, Sonny, I don't see a kite there. Are you sure you got a kite up there? And, and there and the little boy said, well, no, I can't see it. It's above the clouds there. But I sure can feel the tug on the string. Folks, you might not be able to see Jesus right now. But you can feel the tug on your heart. You can feel him drawing you to him today. Maybe you've never invited Christ in your life. Maybe you have, well, maybe your hope was built on your bank account or on your family's bank account or on your ability to be whoever you want to be. But the scripture says, my hope is built on nothing less, as the song says, than Jesus' blood and his righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. So today I pray that you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. In times like these, when our country seems to continue to drift farther and farther away from God, my anchor holds in spite of the storm. You know, one day, the trumpet will sound, the dead in Christ will rise, and those that remain will be caught up in the twinkling of an eye. And I want you to know it's too late then. you got to do it now. So if you've never invited Jesus into your life, I know that Brother Gary will be down here and he would love to share what the Word of God says about you inviting Jesus into your life. And when you have things go wrong, and things will go wrong, they may even go wrong. They may be going wrong right now and you just don't know it. But know this. Your hope is not built on, I hope, it, I hope my life turns out okay. Uh, don't, bank, don't put your hopes in that, preacher. No, my hope 
is in Jesus, that solid rock. Father, we come to you today and we thank you for your word. We thank you for your challenge to our hearts today to trust you and not to trust ourselves. Lord, I thank you for doctors that help us to get through some of those times and give us something to make us relax or do whatever we need to do and get our chemicals back in order and all those things. But I pray, Lord, that today, whatever circumstance the individuals are facing, that your hope, their hope is built on nothing less than Jesus Christ and his righteousness. So, Lord, we trust you today. Our hope is in you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the message today. I pray that you know Jesus as your personal Savior. If you do not know Jesus as your personal Savior and would like to talk with someone, we would love to talk with you. We are in the Carlsbad, New Mexico area at 4103 West Texas Street. Sunday school starts at 9.30 a.m. and Sunday morning services start at 10.45 a.m. We also have a Wednesday night Bible study that meets at 6 p.m. We encourage you to get connected to a local church in your community and get involved in spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. To stay up to date on all the happenings at Happy Valley Baptist Church, you can go to facebook.com slash hvbcnm. That is facebook.com slash hvbcnm, as in Happy Valley Baptist Church, New Mexico. To find additional podcast sermons, you can go to podcast.hvbcnm.org. Thank you and God bless.